1: Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. (laughs) Hey, love.
0: Hey, How are ya? How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's kind of a muggy day out today, but... um, I'm enjoying it for sure.
0: Down here in the south,
1: down on the south.
0: Yeah, we've got there. Sound there have been Australian some. There. G- yeah, I don't. Not quite sure what that was. So I was gonna <laughs> let it slide. <laughs> Generously, I was gonna let uh, that slide. Thank you. There was the most giant bug that landed right at my eye line on my window in my office today. Oh no! And I was like, "Fuck, North Carolina." <laughs> no.
1: How big was it? Like compared to what? A walnut, a baseball.
0: Oh, my God. Um, I would lose my ever-loving mind if it was the size of a baseball. (laughs) I did see one that was the size of a Cadbury egg the other day.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a dung beetle.
0: It was so big, and it had, like, rhinoceros horns on
1: it. Mm Mm-hmm. Big black thing. Yeah. And wasn't there something on the ground that – oh, a little piece of wood that it was trying to, like, take home or something? It
0: was not a little piece of wood. It was one of the giant planks. We had some contractors out who were building a little ramp for our dog. And there were giant wooden planks that they were using to build (laughs) this dung beetle that I I shit you not is the size of a Cadbury egg. It was so
1: big. Yeah, they're pretty big.
0: And it got up underneath one of those planks and was just walking along, taking the plank away. (laughs)
1: Like a big, heavy plank. Yes. Wow. Like one
0: of those little slats.
1: That's all it needed. It just needed something to carry.
0: So... That's what's happening over here in North Carolina. I know it's riveting. So this is actually a self-help podcast. We are going to talk about (laughs) personal development, not just gross wildlife like that. But we're going to talk about energy vampires, dealing Mm. with people in your life who may be depleting you of your energy source. We're going to discuss what that looks like, pitfalls we might fall into, action steps that you can take, all of that good stuff. A couple of things to know. First off, before we jump in – I am really excited to do a social justice series that will be coming up a little bit later. I would love to hear from all of you on any topics that you may be up against as you are learning more about white supremacy and whiteness and white fragility and all of the buzz terms and all of the things that we're seeing all throughout social media. Where, where are the areas where you feel stuck? Where do you need help? I would love to hear from you. Go to com slash justice, and you'll see an opportunity to say, hey, help me with this. I'm looking to get a bunch of uh, experts to come on the show and do a very special series with people who really are skilled and experts and educators in this space to really give us the tools that we can so that we can be much better at white.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love I, I, it. We
0: can't win at white. We cannot win at white. We can be better at white. But we can be better at white. Okay. For sure. So, but before we get into all of the energy vampires...
1: <laughs> Which there are plenty of.
0: Yes. Yes, there are. Why don't, why don't we start on a lighter note, baby doll?
1: Let's do it. That lighter note is a, a little segment that we like to call... Would you rather... All right. So today's would you rather is, if they both didn't end in tragedy, would you rather experience the Titanic... Or the Hindenburg.
0: Wow. I think I wow. Okay. So <laughs> that caveat is important.
1: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, because those, for me that that death.
0: that makes yeah. a big distinction.
1: Yeah, because tragic death. Yeah.
0: Because I'd rather take the Hindenburg. Like for the death part.
1: Oh, f- you'd rather go down in a fiery flame?
0: Just burn my shit up. Yeah. But like scrambling to get to the top of a sinking boat, like, mm. fuck no. If it was just, what do I want to experience?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just the experience.
0: I am not up for anything height-wise.
1: You're a Titanic I knew t- you would be. Uh, you did? I totally For knew. sure Titanic. I knew.
0: The ocean does creep me out a little bit, but I am way more on board with that experience than being high up in the air. I Neither don't-
1: of these are COVID-friendly, by the
0: way. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to know.
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't do either of these if you have, if, during this pandemic.
0: Right. If you if you are, what is it that they call? If you're high risk.
1: If you're high risk, yeah. Yeah, yeah not
0: mm-hmm. if you're high risk no. and please wear a mask.
1: And please wear a mask. Well, totally irrelevant.
0: <laughs> a, well, what would you pick?
1: Uh, I think just for the extravagance of it, the uh, the Titanic. Yeah. Because there's just so much to explore and so much, Is a huge boat. Right. Um and there's bigger boats now. But um, I think the other, the thing that makes me lean towards the Hindenburg, though, sometimes when I was thinking about this was there's not a lot of uh, accessibility to those types of experiences, the balloon experience. Right.
0: Because wasn't it a – You could take a cruise. What, what, you know. I don't know enough about the Hindenburg. Like, wasn't it one of those blimpy type things? It was a Zephyr. A zephyr.
1: It's a zephyr. Yeah, that's what they were called. Do
0: you just look that up? You did not. No, know. no, I knew that. You did? Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that.
1: I know what a zephyr is. <laughs> okay. I'm an intelligent young man. You are. Okay, I'm not young. But I am intelligent. Yes. I think that would be a crazy experience because, I mean, you're basically just floating in the air up there. I don't like it's it. pretty cool.
0: I don't like it one bit. It
1: reminds me of Indiana Jones. They were on a Hindenburg or a a
0: the type one. of blimp. So what's the difference between a blimp and a zephyr then?
1: Well, a zephyr uh, runs parallel. Like it can move forward and backwards where a balloon has to go up with just hot air, right? A blimp. A blimp.
0: Like like, what about when you're in Los Angeles area, like in Long Beach and you see the Goodyear blimp, which yeah. I believe. Oh, yeah. That,
1: the, a blimp is a zephyr, yes. I'm which sorry. I
0: believe is referenced in a Snoop Dogg song. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. Or mad. maybe it's Doctor Dre. Maybe, maybe you can win at white. You I mean, just won at white. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I get minus 400 you get points. Yeah, minus points. Yeah. I get minus 400 uh, yeah, yeah, points yeah. for that. That shit. was
1: the sarcasm drips off his. Oh breath. my
0: gosh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, but <laughs> no, it's Ice Cube. It, it's <laughs> the, it's the, wait, the good year blimp reads yeah, yeah. ice cubes a pimp, right? Isn't it? That That's lyrics? exactly what it says. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yeah, I think I'm definitely going to go with Titanic. And it is actually smaller than the Queen Mary. Yeah, I know. Which is crazy. And it had I I bought a big coffee table book ages ago that was about the Titanic and then there was there were two other ships called the Olympic and the Britannic that were also part of I think it was called the White Star line of okay. ships.
1: Yeah, you know a lot about it.
0: They all sank. Did they really? And there was one woman <laughs> who she was staff and she survived all, all three, three sinkings.
1: You're kidding Isn't me. Isn't
0: that some fucking nut? That's some shit, crazy right, shit there. right there. Yeah. yeah. I I read that in that coffee table book. I don't think we still have it. I think we got rid of it. Huh. But I I thought that was really, really fascinating. That
1: is pretty fascinating. So I'm fully
0: up for being corrected if anybody feels like fact-checking that.
1: You know, I'm going to go back on what I said, and I'm going to go with the Hindenburg. You are? I think that's an experience that – like you can get a Titanic experience today. It's, it's a lot harder to get a Hindenburg experience. Okay. What is that experience? So I'm going to go with –
0: All right. Well, we would love to hear what you would rather, and we talk about it in our Facebook group, which is called the Joy Junkie After Hours Club. After Hours. It's so much better when you layer it on. I know. You've been doing so well lately. I
1: know. I know. Got a lot on my mind today.
0: Yes, yes. There's there's a lot happening in the world. (laughs) Ew, COVID. So... We would love to have you come hang out on Mondays. We talk about the Would You Rather. Everybody kind of defends their choices and talks about their reasoning for what they would choose. There's some good and reasoning out there too, and it it's like really it. funny. People think it through, and sometimes it's stuff that we've never even thought of. But there are a lot of people who answer it who haven't listened to the pod, mm-hmm. and so they haven't heard all the stipulations <laughs> or like <laughs> right. if it doesn't end in tragedy, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I do bonus trainings over there. It's really great camaraderie to get support and community, and it's just a really great group of individuals over there. You can find us by going to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That redirects you right over to our little corner of Facebook and come say hi. So we do Warm Fuzzy Wednesdays. We do a bunch of stuff. It'll be fun. So why don't we jump into this idea around dealing with energy vampires, (sighs)
1: I'm already drained. You're
0: already drained. (laughs) (laughs) Already exhausted. Well, I think that's actually a really great point because at the time that we're recording this, Mercury is retrograde. Is it really? Until July 12th, which it'll just have ended when this is airing because this airs on the 13th, which will be amazing. But with things like Mercury retrograde – Things like COVID, all of the social unrest, all of the political upheaval that we're having right now. I personally, and I'm sure I'm not alone, have had an, uh, I feel like my reserves are depleted. Like I just don't have enough energy to carry all of the things. Yeah. So I have to be very vigilant just about how much I commit to, how much I take on. Because we're in this very weird timeframe in history where we're juggling a lot of heavy things. There may be a lot of you out there who are having financial difficulties or changing jobs because of coronavirus, COVID. So I think that one of the biggest pieces of self-care that we can very easily employ is looking at the people in our lives who may not be contributing in a way in which we really need them con- to contribute in our lives. And I think sometimes when we have these emergent situations like we're up against, we start to see that a lot clearer where mm-hmm. we're like, I, I can't with my uncle. I cannot with this friend of mine from high school. I cannot with this coworker. Like we our bullshit tolerance gets so much lower because we're so depleted. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit today. Before I jump into, I kind of have three tasks or tips, things that you need to do in order to rectify this or to look at this. Before we do, I want to give you a metaphor that was first introduced to me through Stephen Covey, and he has a bank account metaphor. So mm-hmm. I've this is kind of derived from that, inspired from that. That's definitely his thing where he he came up with it but the way in which I describe it I think is a, a little bit different but I'm hoping this is helpful for you so I want you to kind of visualize or imagine that your life is a bank account let's say and in an ideal situation if uh, if we were using the bank account as a metaphor for our life what we would want is other individuals who were depositing into our account yeah. and we were depositing into their account. So there's this reciprocity of deposits. Now, every once in a while, you you know, maybe you have your best friend is going through a divorce and so he or she might take a few withdrawals out right. during that season and Maybe you're depositing a little more into their account during that time. But then maybe you lose your job and that person pays back those withdrawals Mm -hmm. and starts depositing into your account when you have to pull out a little bit more or you're not able to deposit anymore. Got to pull out. (laughs) That's the safest way. (laughs) So that is our ideal scenario is that we have these relationships in our lives that are ones of reciprocity so that what we don't feel is that we have people in our life who are constantly making withdrawals only Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or where they are constantly asking for deposits into their account, Yeah, right? So however you want to look at it. So if you think about this non-metaphorically, if you think about actually people asking for money from your account... In the equi, because money is just energy, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if we're looking at people asking, like, "Can I have more money? Can I have more money? Can I have more money?" We would never tolerate that with our actual finances. That's right. But we allow that with our emotional currency.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. We go. I've heard oh, you say this before, but it's always fascinating.
0: Well, I do get better at it over the years. <laughs>
1: the idea, right? Yeah.
0: I was talking to a client about that the other day when she's like, I know I've heard you ex- explain that before, but this time it just really hit. And I'm like, I've been finessing it. Yep. <laughs> it's not always super smooth at the very beginning. <laughs> but well, I think yeah. it also
1: matters what when you hear it.
0: That's true. Right. You know. When it, When you're ready to mm-hmm. hear something. So here's where I think we get really tripped up if we're continuing down this metaphor. I think we get tripped up by starting to hand out debit cards or mm. write out all of these checks. And this is what I mean by that. It's where we so desperately want someone else to show up for us, or we're really rooting for them to come through, that we keep giving mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. keep giving and we keep giving opportunities for them to come through mm. and they keep letting us down. So examples, maybe every time you experience something exciting in your work, you want to go share it with your mom. And every time without fail, she says something like, oh, I thought you would have gotten that promotion four weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Or, "Or well, did you check and see if you're gonna get 401k? Or where it's never the response that you want. Mm, Okay. But yet you continue to turn to her over and over again because you never stop wanting her to come through with a deposit.
1: You're looking for the response you want, yeah.
0: You want her to come through with that deposit. Or maybe it's a friend of yours who you always show up for. Maybe you helped them through a divorce. Maybe you constantly help them with their babysitting needs. Maybe you are always the one to make the plans, but they constantly flake on you. They constantly don't show up. They totally ghost you. You know, who knows? Or when you have something that's really important to you, like maybe you throw yourself your own birthday party And they decide to book a trip to Cancun instead, Mm -hmm. right? Like where the things that matter so much to you, they just – when they are given the choice to deposit, they choose to withdraw. Mm -hmm. They don't deposit over and over again. So that's what I want you to start thinking about is are those – are there people in my life who I am constantly giving them the ATM card? I'm constantly giving them another blank check going, I know they're going to do, I know they're going to write me, give it back this time. I know they're going to give me a deposit this time.
1: Well, that can be communicated too. Right. That
0: will definitely be
1: a, that, a point coming yeah, up. Yes. I had a feeling.
0: Now, there is another category that I like to include in this bank account metaphor. And it's this idea of a charity category. Okay. So if you think about it from a financial standpoint, you cannot give all of your income to charity. You would be destitute, right? Yep. The idea behind charity is you give what you're able to give. So for many of us, it's not, this, it's not our entire finances. But what I have seen with a lot of my students, because they tend towards that people-pleasing and or perfectionism, I have to be perfect. I have to give, 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 give mm-hmm. in order to be liked. I have to make everybody else happy in order to be approved of, that they take on charity cases in all areas of their life, Hmm. meaning they have bosses that steal energy from them. For sure. They have best friends that aren't showing up for them. They have spouses who expect everything from them but do not give anything in return, right? So it's The charity category, there's absolutely room for that. And what that looks like for me is, you know, I think you and I can both say at this point in our life that we don't have non reciprocal relationships. We don't have and, and we I know you've shared before having a friend who only called you when he needed something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Called him out on it. I did. And he never called again. <laughs> never
1: called again. Yeah. Which is
0: like, okay, very telling. Yeah. But we've gotten to a place now where obligations, which for many people (spoiler alert) are going to be fami- family, familial relationships.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, where natural.
0: You're not necessarily interested in completely severing the relationship, and so here's what I mean by that: there are people in my life, in my family, who they're not toxic, they're not abusive they're not mean to me. However, if we were not related, there's no way we <laughs> would engage. Right, right. We don't have the same beliefs. We're not it, it's just no way that we would be friends. Right. Right? But it also doesn't make any sense for me to kick that person out of my life. Like they they're not they're not detrimental. So for me, and, and I really only have maybe two. Those are my charity pieces of my bank account where I go – and what is charity? Charity is where you give to a relationship with nothing in – no expectation in return. Right. So it's I show up in that way because that's the woman I want to be, not because I expect anything in return. And that can be a game changer.
1: And that's the mental contract that you've written for yourself, right?
0: Exactly. Okay. That's a great way to say it. Because I think, especially with family, like I was mentioning before, that's where we get stuck, where we're like, eventually they'll be what I need. Eventually they'll reciprocate. But if we go in with no expectation and we go into whatever, a family function or something, and we show up because that's who we want to be, that's a lot more powerful, right? That's like shipping off a check, Anonymously to your favorite organization. (laughs) You don't need to post me on your website. You don't need to, I don't need anything in return. I just need this to be for you because that's the woman I want to be in this world. That's the man I want to be in this world. So keep in mind that it's completely fine to have a charity case or two, but get your head straight around that, that you have to kind of eliminate those expectations in that relationship, but that's a game changer, you know, being able to show up in those relationships, just being like, I'm here because this is who I want to be. You know, I don't expect anything from you. All right. So that's sort of the metaphor or the framework that I want you to view this idea. And I'm going to give you three steps that I want you to start looking at here. The first step is to take an inventory. Of all of your relationships, and identify who is constantly withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Do they ever deposit? Okay. Or are they vampiring it up nonstop?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Now here's a couple of places. It this is what it might look like. It might be somebody who continually asks for your emotional support. Okay. Right. Yeah, it is. It's the friend who jumps from rocky relationship to rocky relationship. It, it, it's commonly- Gets their
1: car stolen and then has, you know, uh, a breakup with their boyfriend and then just this constant tumbleweed of issues. Right.
0: It could be tumbleweed of issues. That's a great point, too. But it could also be, this is commonly called. Uh, I've seen it uh, called an asshole, somebody who <laughs> asks for all your advice and never takes it. Oh,
1: that's funny. I thought you said ass asshole. Oh, like you put coal in your ass.
0: Well, they might I was get like, yikes. that. yikes. No, an asshole.
1: Ask hole. Hole. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Constantly asking for your advice, they never take it. An asshole. That's amazing. Hole. Um, so, it could be somebody like that who's constantly turning to you for emotional support or like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do with with my in-laws. I don't know what to do with my kid. I don't know, you know, where mm. they're leaning on you for decisions constantly. It could be somebody in your life who your connection to them is from your old patterns. So for instance, maybe it's somebody that when you were in college, you guys partied all the time. And you drank a lot or you fucked around all the time. And now you're at a different place in your life. And so it feels like an energy suck every time you're with them. Yeah. Because you have to do this battle of I'm not that person anymore and I don't want you to think I'm judging you, but I kind of am in a way and I don't really want to be doing (laughs) this and I don't know what our relationship really looks like. And then it's emotionally expensive for you, right? Yeah. There can also be situations, this is another place to look, where somebody is not supportive verbally. And that could potentially be your love language. So if, you're, if you need your people in your life to be vocal or verbal with you and they aren't, that may be something that's really hard for you. Now that, to your point earlier, is a great way to to exercise some communication and use your words. Yeah, My best friend and I are this way. She has worked very diligently to use more words with me because I really need that. I need pep talks. I need to be told things out loud. Yeah. So it absolutely can be something that's rectifiable. And one of the things that I love to say is, If this is a relationship that you want to salvage, you need to at least give them the opportunity to be what you need. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: If you haven't been vocal about it and you do want this friendship to continue or this relationship or whatever it is, you need to advocate for what you need. Now, if you do that in a kind way, not by yelling and screaming, not by being passive aggressive. but. Can't be passive-aggressive? You don't get to use all of those (laughs) tools because those are not effective.
1: They're not effective. You're right.
0: But if you have expressed over and over again and somebody shows you over and over again that they're not interested in being what you need, then that's a different story. That is a depletion. That is a constant withdrawal. I, For me, friendships or relationships that are overly competitive are unbelievably draining for me. Mm -hmm. I have to limit them. I have to – I, I cannot with that. Now, my brother is very different, loves competition. He <laughs> thrives on it. It kicks my anxiety into high gear. Yeah. So if I'm carrying anything else and someone wants to be competitive, I'm out. I'm like, I got it. I'm out. So it could be something like that. Maybe it's somebody in your workplace who it's a partner or somebody who's always wanting to beat you in sales or be, mm. beat you at something. That could be a relationship you might want to step away from a little bit. Here's another huge one. You have one of these in your life right now. They only talk about themselves. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, it makes me not want to talk to them.
0: They only talk about themselves. They forget. I I have one, too. One of my charity cases is that Mm -hmm. way. They only want to talk about themselves and forget to ask you anything about how you're doing. Yeah. But are completely fine monopolizing the the conversation about everything that's going on with them.
1: Yeah. And I don't. I have two of those in my life right now.
0: Okay. I don't know who the other one is. We'll talk after the pot. (laughs) If only I knew a life coach to help you through it. Right. (laughs) But that's another place to look. That's a great example of have I given voice to that? Have I said Mm. to them. I'm
1: bad about that. I need to get better at that.
0: You, you have in the past, though. you yeah. yeah. Being able to say, hey, listen, I don't think it's your intention. I don't think you purposely do this. But I feel like when we jump on this the calls, We we spend a really, really good amount of time talking about what's going on with you. What I would love is if you would just make it a point to ask me how I am or ask me about something specific that I'm going through right now. Mm. Like, hey, how's that social justice class that you're taking? Mm -hmm. How's your hypnotherapy going? How is your what's your latest fitness thing that you're doing? Make it a point and give them examples. Right. Because some people just don't communicate that way or they're already socially awkward. And so they don't know what to do except for talk about what's going on with them. You don't know. Unless you actually give them the opportunity to be what you need. There can yeah. be I mentioned this one earlier too, but the the person who only reaches out when they need something. I've seen I've seen this a lot with colleagues of mine where it's, oh, I just wanna pick your brain. I'm like, fuck right on off. You can
1: <laughs> you can
0: pay me for that shit. Right. You know, so keeping in mind, is this somebody who just pops up when they need something? And is that something that I want to maintain or not? Another huge piece, and this is for all of my empaths and highly sensitive people out there, this inventory could alert you to someone if you are always depleted after you are with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just introverted depleted because despite how outgoing I am, I am pretty damn introverted. I can be by myself for days and and be really just fine. So I know that there are a lot of introvert introverts out there who find being in large groups completely draining. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're never fulfilled. You're never built up by hanging out with this person. Right. You leave feeling – It doesn't fuel you. It doesn't fuel you. You uh-huh. feel worse about yourself. You feel misunderstood. You feel like you're constantly explaining things. It feels like work to be around this person. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Take that inventory of those relationships. And I'll tell you, in my in my program, Deep Down and Dirty, which is the only way that I work with, with clients and has been for the last two years, this is one of the most predominant themes mm-hmm. that I see with my students. I can see that. At, damn near everyone has an issue with mom or dad. I don't know if I've ever had someone not have a parental issue.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, that seems completely normal and natural.
0: Most people have a friendship-related issue around deposits, withdrawals, Mm -hmm. or spousal or dating scenario, sibling issues. Almost everyone has an issue around this where they feel as though, again, because they're largely people-pleasers, recovering – (laughs) They are trying to show up perfectly, or perfectionists, and they're trying to be everything for everybody else, and they keep coming up empty and wondering, why the fuck am I not happy? And a lot of it is because their self-worth is wrapped up in either being perfect or making everybody else happy with them, that whole people-pleasing notion. Mm -hmm. And then when they don't get it, then they feel like they're not valuable. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough Mm -hmm. and that's the most prevailing belief disempowering belief that i see from students who come in deep down and dirty
1: and what is deep down and dirty exactly
0: this is this program i'm talking about yeah Yeah. this is the program i've been talking about okay (laughs) um but they will they will say i don't feel as though i'm enough and a lot of it has to do with these relationships that have proven that to them over Mm -hmm. and over again right? Whether it's relationships from childhood or, or whatnot. And one of the biggest pieces that we unlock is first of all, believing that you are enough, believing that you are worthy, that you are valuable, and that your voice matters. And then looking at how does that then influence all of these relationships in your life? Right. How do, what does that look like to actually tell your mom to stay out of your relationship?
1: That bank account analogy works a lot better when you have these tools that you get in this program.
0: You Absolutely. understand it so
1: much more clearly, right?
0: And it's broken down very chronologically like that. So at the beginning, we really start dismantling a lot of the stuff that's not working, mm. getting rid of the disempowering beliefs, negative self-talk.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, we do some forgiveness work. And then we move into who do I want to be? Who am I? Because that starts giving you that foundation of not only am I worthy, but then this is what I stand for. And then we move into the communication boundaries, Uh, saying no. That makes sense. Speaking up for yourself, tough conversations. So that's, you know, when you think about like, oh, I can't stand being around my fill in the blank. A lot of it is because you don't have the courage or the confidence to speak up around them. And why is that? Because we feel we don't matter as much or Mm -hmm. we're not enough or why don't want to rock the boat. That's a self-worth issue. So anyway, if you are interested in really making a massive shift in that in that area and that sounds like you, go to the joyjunkie.com slash workshop. I've put together a it's about forty-five minutes, fifty minutes of Five major things that you might be doing right now or missing the boat on that will help you step into this place where you can let go of that people-pleasing perfectionism and self-doubt. I love it. At the end of that workshop, you if you want to know more about Deep Down and Dirty and you think it really is the next step that you want to take, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the workshop to book a call with a member of my team. So that's your first step, the slash workshop workshop. All right. So, of these three steps, we've got number 1, take an inventory of all the relationships in your life. Number 2, identify what boundaries need to be established. And I mentioned a little bit earlier about toxic people, okay? A note on that. It can be a real easy crutch for us to go, "Oh, that's just a toxic relationship." Mm. Most of the time that's an excuse. Mm, now, if it's verbally abusive, if it's emotionally abusive, mm-hmm. physically, sexually abusive, then yes, that is absolutely grounds to be labeled a toxic relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: But there were many instances that we were talking about earlier where perhaps that person just doesn't know what you need. Sure. And that's your job, my friend. That is where you have to check in and look at. What have I not asked for? What have I not been clear about? What have I tolerated? Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's where boundaries come in. I'm also going to link to the boundaries pod in the show notes. Uh, I've done a handful of them, but that could be really helpful in identifying boundaries and figuring out – I think I did one – did I – do? I think I did one too on identifying like how to figure out your boundaries,
1: Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Like
0: just where how do I even know what mm-hmm. to even start what to even with start with that with? Yeah, So check those two pods out. Those can be really helpful. But start to discern, is there a conversation to be had? And a lot of that has to do with what do I want from this relationship. So, for example, I've had uh, I've had one friendship where I spoke up and said, Really similar to what I was talking about with you earlier, I I told her I really felt like at your last visit, it was all about everything you wanted to do and your agenda and your emotions and everything you were going through. And I really felt kind of left in the dust. And I love you. And you're so supportive. I know you're capable of that. And I care enough about this relationship that I want to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being amazing. Yeah. I had another friendship. Where I had the scenario where I felt like I was the one always making plans. Yes. And I was okay. We, were, we had also had a couple falling outs where I had really questioned, do I want this person in my life or not anymore? And I realized that I was still the one always initiating get togethers, initiating getting together for dinner or whatnot. And so I made it up in my mind that I was simply just not going to initiate anymore and see where the cards fell. Mm-hmm. If she invited me out, great. If she didn't, I would let let the friendship run its course. And that's exactly what happened. So it doesn't always have to be a big full-blown conversation, but, it ha- but don't be a motherfucking coward.
1: <laughs> if
0: it is a friendship that you want, that you do have some element of fulfillment from, then you need to fight for it and use your words and say what you need. Yeah. Okay? You don't get to go brandishing the toxic card okay
1: yeah that's fair
0: so look at what do you want or need from the relationship in order for it to continue and then decide on when and how to have a conversation about that i'm going to link to the tough conversations pod But again, this is one of those things that my students bring to me constantly. Hmm. I have to talk to my roommates about this. I have to talk to my spouse about this financial thing that we want to do. I have to talk to a subordinate about her review and all the things that I need to tell her. And I'm like, all right, bring it to me. And we workshop it in Deep Down and Dirty. And I'm like, okay, here's how you say this. Say this. Say this. Go practice and go do it. Right. But nobody teaches us how to do that. No. Right. Yeah, Yeah. So again, check out that workshop. Except
1: you. Except
0: me. All right. And then the third and final piece is to decide on your next step. What is it? So in those two scenarios that I was sharing earlier, one next step for me was to call out the friend and actually tell her,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I want more from this. Right. The other action step, the decision that I made with the other friendship was, I'm simply going to stop initiating and see what happens. But decide on your next step. What is it going to be? What does that look like? It, it could be just very simply a boundary. Maybe it's a charity case where you know you're going to show up. You know you're going to go to that family function or the, the your nephew's birthday party or whatever it is, but you're going to stay thirty minutes max. Or mm. you, you're going to you're committing to never spending the night, or whatever it might be. Just okay. make your decision about what the next step is. All right. So those are your three items of business. Take an inventory, number one. Number two, decide on what boundaries you need to establish. And then number three, solidify your next step. I like it. Yeah. Any other final thoughts you want to throw in the mix? Just with, I know you're up against a couple that you need to speak up with.
1: Um, I think it's just that making the initial, um, starting the conversation Yeah. is the hardest part for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually saying it. Yes. Like I'm pretty good with communications. But, You're
0: great. Yeah. But
1: once but I hold back on it and I don't really initiate that conversation. So I think that's really yeah. the stumbling block for me is getting up the courage to actually do that. Yeah. And not feel like I'm going to offend them or, you know, whatever the backlash might be from it.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna link also to a pod on Confrontation, because I think that there's some some tips in that as well. But one of the easiest ways is to call out the awkwardness, is just to say, you know what, I got some stuff I'd like to share with you, and I feel clunky and awkward <laughs> as fuck. But right. I just want to share it with you. Do you yeah, have yeah. a few minutes?
1: Set a preface, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I've got stuff I have to say. That right. feels weird. It feels weird. Okay. Right. Yeah. So Check out those other pods on boundaries and tough conversations and confrontation and all of that. I think that'll be really helpful for you. And if you're ready for that deeper dive, please check out that other free workshop uh, where you can learn a little bit more about Deep Down and Dirty. And then book a call with a member of my team if you want to go deeper.
1: Well, if you wanted a deeper dive, you should have been on the Titanic. Oh, Oh, way to bring it back. See what I did there? I (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right, y'all. We will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.
1: Mr. and Ms. Smith, out.